Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Madeline Dunsmore, Regional Workplace Manager for Newmark Knight Frank, discussed the impending loneliness epidemic. Let's be part of the solution. Madeline Dunsmore is a Regional Workplace Manager for Newmark Knight Frank. The great thing about Madeline, she's a workplace strategist and change management professional with six years experience in strategy and 12 years of experience in public speaking, stakeholder relations, and communication planning. She's a trusted advisor to her clients and specializes in leading workplace intelligence assessments to build a a holistic understanding of her clients' workplace needs and aspirations. In particular, her work around telework implementation and their impact on managers, the workforce, and space needs sets her apart as a leader in the workplace field. So without any further delay, let's turn it over to, to Madeline. All right, great. Thank you so much, Doug. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming out. So we have kind of a tricky, difficult topic today, um, maybe not as much fun as some other topics, but I think it is really important. And what I'm trying to do is just give you food for thought, uh, give you some statistics and things to take with you. So when you're trying to convince clients or investors of why having a connected workspace is important um, and how real estate can help bring people together, this I think makes a strong case for why. So we're seeing a lot um, of in the media different studies of the loneliness epidemic. Cigna's done a study, AARP's recently done a study, and the former Surgeon General um, Vivek Murtha came out on the Harvest Business Review about a year ago with a series about the loneliness epidemic. So it, it has reached epidemic proportions. We're using that word to mean that it's um, an affliction that's affecting millions of people and it's getting worse. And I think it's kind of the disease and we can see a little bit of the symptoms and how we know that it's an epidemic going forward. So half of Americans report that they feel lonely. And that means the, um, the other half, only half of Americans feel like they have a meaningful person in their life that they can share things with and you know, have meaningful interactions on a daily basis. One in four feel like they don't really have somebody who understands them. And when I say it's getting worse, that used to be one in 10 30 years ago. And now it's, it's much higher. So we're seeing that increase. And we've even seen it increase over the last five to 10 years. I mean, when you think about you know, the first iPhone came out in 2008, um, so it's been about 10 years. So I think uh, we're seeing a lot of increases in loneliness. Are those things correlated, or are they just happening at the same time? We'll have to see, uh, have to see that. Um, so we're also finding that two in five Americans feel that they're not in meaningful relationships, and, and, it's, and it's particularly prevalent among the Gen Z. I don't know if you guys were here two sessions ago. We talked about Gen Z. So they also show up here in our loneliness study. Uh, the older generations, even though they spend a lot of time alone, aren't registering as highly when they report their own loneliness. We're seeing it, the younger generations are feeling and reporting the impact of loneliness at a higher rate. Um, This isn't probably a surprise to people as far as understanding the technology. I think we talked about FOMO, the fear of missing out earlier. That's a big piece of it. But also they're in high school, you know. So we're taking this with a bit of grain of salt. Um, I'm sure everybody felt lonely at some point in high school. So hopefully they'll mature and be able to build these skills. But there's a risk now to know that they might not. And this might be something they're craving with socialization and collaboration that uh, we can feed uh, off of in in a more commercial real estate setting. So it's dangerous. 
There has been studies that show correlate loneliness with mortality rates. So it can be more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So if sitting was the new smoking, maybe loneliness is the new smoking today. So when we think about that, it becomes even more important to have social connections, to connect with people in a meaningful way. This is a way that you know, really gets the, the hormones going as far as oxytocin, dopamine, fighting down cortisol levels. And they find that it's the increased cortisol levels that trigger the higher morbidity rates, higher obesity, higher um, the heart disease, um, and all of those other kind of anxiety, depression, that also make uh, loneliness so dangerous. Uh, so it's 40, if you, more, if you indicate as highly lonely, you'll have a 40, 50% um, risk of early death. And that's pretty scary. <laughs> so, uh, so remember to, at your happy hour tonight, really connect with people because it's good for your health. <laughs> and it's bad for business as well, right? So we see sick days. A third of all sick days are actually mental health days. So when you're not feeling secure, when you're having those disconnections, you're more likely to not show up to work. Um, you're less committed. You have lower engagement scores to your organization. That seems pretty clear. You know, you're less willing to share information. You're less willing to um, collaborate or maybe even put ideas out there that you're not sure about. You're like, are people going to make fun of me? I don't know. Is this a crazy idea? If you're having some bit of loneliness or any sort of anxiety, lack of trust, you're not willing to share those ideas in the same way. And that idea might be a nugget of the idea that could be the next great innovation. But you have to set kind of that environment of trust and work on people's loneliness and connectiveness in order for that idea to even, you know, leave somebody's lips in a room. Also, it's sad that 80% um, of people don't even have a friend at work. This um, might be true for you, but yeah, right? It's so sad. And as I was doing research for this, I was learning about other countries versus America. There are some big differences, by the way. And one of them said um, half of, I think it's um, in the UK, take vacation with a coworker. And I was like, what? I would never take vacation with a coworker. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is why, because we're not friends. In India... You know, it's the same way. That's not true. I have coworkers here in the audience. We're friends. We're friends. Um, <laughs> and in India, it's the same way. People will go on vacation with their coworkers. You know, we all go on vacation to get away from our coworkers. But maybe that's speaking to a larger problem of how we're not really connected to them as people. Also, it's really bad at the C-suite level. Um, executives tend to feel very disconnected and lonely because they don't have anybody to share their problems with because everyone they work with reports to them. And so finding a peer in which they can kind of commiserate with and connect with, I think, is a major challenge. So it says half. I actually think it's quite higher. Um, so it's hard for executives. Okay. So some, effect, um, some demographics are affected more than others. Uh, this is from Brookings. They've done a really great job. They've entitled their study Deaths of Despair, which is quite dire. Um, but it is really interesting. So they're lumping together suicide, um, drug overdose, and deaths by alcohol-related. Um, so we're seeing some kind of stark differences in some demographics, particularly middle-aged white men, are much higher in America than they are with their peers in other countries as it comes to this deaths by despair, uh, deaths by despair so suicide, overdose, um, which is shocking. Like, why is that line so high and different? What is going on here? I think those of us kind of with our fingers on the pulse of the culture can guess at why these things are, but it's important to note that this is you know, kind of our key workforce right now with um, you know, experience and ideas, our leaders, and, and we're seeing this trend happen, which is, which is quite scary. Um, this is also the difference between 2000 and 2014. 
uh, same demographic in the U.S., you know, the map just gets darker, which means we're seeing an increase in these things. There are many factors as to why access, you know, um, to opioids, to firearms, things like that probably drive this. But there's an underlying layer as well um, where we're, we're seeing loneliness. So if loneliness is the disease, I think these are the symptoms. This is how we know where it is. Also suicide, you know, it's now the 10th leading of death um, in America. And I was talking to a colleague about it, and he said a very large consulting firm that everyone has heard of has a specialized group of 12 individuals. They are lone wolves. They're on the road all the time, and they do a very highly specialized type of consulting. They're big money makers for the firm. Well, they lost four of them in a year to suicide. So talk about having like a major problem with your workforce that drives the business as a very disconnected group who's making a lot of money for the firm is losing a lot of people. Seeing a lot more companies do suicide prevention trainings that's mandatory. I've definitely had to do one for an organization I work for that had a high, a high rate. So it's hidden. We tend not to talk about it, but it is really driving a lot of workplace change. Also, increase of drug overdose. Mostly, I think this is the opioid crisis that we've all heard so much about this. Just another data point of, of, of how we're being disconnected and how that's impacting us across the country. And so why? You know, you guys can make your own hypothesis here. I'm not a policy wonk, despite living in D.C., so I'm not going to guess for you. But I think we can all probably come up with our own hypothesis as to why. But we all work more. We have less work-life balance. There's more technology in our lives. It's easier to be more disconnected. Um, and and we're, ne we're never off. You know, we're always on. We never take time to recharge. Um, so what is that doing to us at an epidemic level that we need to consider? All right. Whew, okay. That needs a breath of fresh air because this is like so, so sad and upsetting that I want you to know that it's going to be okay. And this chihuahua in a cup is going to help you out um, because we are part of the solution. The cool part is being part of this conference and being part of commercial real estate, you can be part of the thing that brings people together. You create beautiful spaces that engages people. You make workplaces where people want to show up, where they want to talk to each other. They want to create the next big ideas. And this is only good for business. It's also good for us as a country and as a community together building stronger bonds. So that's great. We are part of the solution. I'm not the only person who thinks so. Um, this is the head uh, chief medical officer for um, health at Cigna. He led the study that collected most of this information about loneliness, and he thinks that the workplace is part of it. And I'm going to break the workplace into two parts for me, the physical space um, and the behavior that happens in that space. So they're both important. Why workplace? Well, besides it's what we do, it's where we spend most of our time, about nine hours a day. Uh, most of the waking hours, that's where we are. So let's concentrate there. That's why it's part of the solution. That's why Cigna thinks it is, and I agree. Um, also, coworkers. When we're in our prime, this is our ages, ages 20 to 80 here, when we're in our prime, who do we spend our most time with? Coworkers, right? So these are the people that can help us. These are the people we're surrounded by that can help prevent us or kind of alleviate our, our loneliness, if you will. And this is our spaces. These are all spaces that my team has taken pictures of in the last six months. So these still exist. I know we talk about open spaces. I know we talk about natural light. But these are all spaces we've looked at. Um, I won't say where, who, or what. Um, but no wonder we're lonely, right? We are isolating each other from, by walls, by corridors, by high partitions. 
you know, or we have none of that and we're lonely when we're surrounded by people, which is, I think, in my experience, the worst loneliness when you're alone in an airport surrounded by strangers, it, that can also be difficult. Um, so there's nothing drawing people together, not the natural light, nothing connecting us. So, but also from a behavior point of view, we're working in a more isolated way, right? We're working from home. And so we're always on, we're not physically around other people and we're on these virtual teams. They can be very productive. I think you can get a lot done from virtual teams, but what you miss is in-person touch. And that's what gets the hormones going that makes you feel better, the oxytocin. It's the hug, the handshake, the pat on the back, the eye contact, it's pheromones. It's all of that stuff that it's really hard to do virtually. Uh, we have not figured that out. Um, and you kind of have to be in the room to do it. So here's another factor that's really driving us apart. So let's talk about how we are part of this solution. So we are now creating spaces that connect us. They're engaging, they drive collaboration, but there's also refuge space, there's variety. There's, if you're, not, if you're coming in and you're not feeling at your best, there's a place you can go where you can recharge and that's becoming important and employers are seeing that that's an important piece of it. Wellness rooms, all of those elements that are now part of our design going forward have this impact and a larger solution to our loneliness crisis. We're also seeing um, coziness and homely feeling, those things that make us feel a little better, whether it's um, plants, softer tech, um, you know, uh, textures or rugs or other pieces that make us feel, feel a little bit better and it's not just a cold, sterile environment. So I also want to talk about behavior changes because anyone can build out a pretty office you know, if they have the right amount of money. But these are a little bit harder. Um, the behavior changes of connecting with other people. So one idea is lunch roulette. I don't know if you've heard about this one. Everybody puts their name in an online pool. There's softwares that do this for you. And then you say, which lunch spots are you open for? And it'll match you up with somebody in your company. So we're seeing CEOs do this a lot to connect with people in their company. But we're also seeing people to just you know, make connections across departments. Um, and that's a great way to meet somebody new and maybe make a new friend. Having off hours is another big trend that we need to see, really making weekends more sacred so you have time to recharge. Um, and then, you know, leaders are, tend to be the worst examples of this, getting emails from them at night or on the weekends. So if you want to see this change in your own company, leading by example becomes really crit critical and important. Um, we're also seeing people take out, take out time for the staff to share things about themselves. So... I mentioned the former Surgeon General. He's kind of leading this charge on the loneliness epidemic. When he was managing um, his own federal agency, he would take time out of the staff meeting. Everybody got 10 minutes, and it would rotate, and they would stand up and say something about themselves. And he thought it was going to be really basic stuff. But every week, it got a little deeper, and it got a little more personal. And as soon as people started being vulnerable, they were willing to be, the next contendant was going to be even more vulnerable and share something about themselves. People sharing things about their military service, um, about their family, about things they're into. So um, I thought that was a really great way to have a behavior change in the workplace, having a manager care enough to ask you, you know, what do you like? What are you into? What drives you? Um, and then making the workplace not just about work, but also about the human experience of work as well. So I had a video with a puppy and a baby. It was very cute. It didn't embed so good. But anyway, I just wanted to like palate cleanse 
thoughts on that kind of heavy topic, but also ask you what you see in, um, in this, in loneliness as, a, as an epidemic and a crisis, and what trends you're seeing in design or in management style to help solve it. So um, just wanted to open it up to you if you have any questions or, or thoughts on that. So the question's about benching, and if benching and maybe hoteling and not having storage at your desk, does that drive loneliness, or does that connect you with other people you might not have sit next to otherwise? I think it's a good question. I think it depends on the company and the culture. I think it depends on what behaviors they're kind of nudged to do. People tend to be creatures of habit, so even in a hoteling environment, we see people sit consistently in the same spots. Um, but it is, you know, are you willing to... I think if you're the type of person that strikes up a conversation on an airplane or a train, you'll probably do that for somebody sitting next to you who you don't know in an office. If you're not, then you won't. And most of us probably aren't. And so that probably drives it even further. I think having a friend at work, someone who you have an ongoing daily interaction with, probably helps on the loneliness front a little bit more. But might not be a solution for all organizations. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm here afterwards if you want to talk more about this or kind of take these nuggets away with you. Also, if you want to hug each other, I totally get it. That's fair. <laughs> you don't have to. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org forward slash podcast.